When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Comic Report wherever you get your podcast. You're watching on YouTube. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A M P I R E. Always much appreciated when you tune in. And again, I'm going to continue to give you a daily practice report, but this is going to be in a short, somewhat of an abbreviated one because I have a uh, prolonged discussion with the voice of the commanders, Bram Weinstein, to break down the first two weeks of training camp. So after I give you a couple minutes of today's practice report, I'm going to play my conversation with Bram and you're going to know everything you care to know about the Washington commanders and the first two weeks of training camp. They will be off on Saturday. They'll be back on Sunday when I will give you another practice report. And I'm going to get back to some more of the minutia on that one because Bram and I kind of tackle some big picture topics here, everything you'd want to know about. But today, let's go for a few minutes because today was noteworthy for the another day of chippiness. When you put the pads on and when you practice for five straight days, you end up having some issues, and that's what happened today. So during one drill with the offensive line against a, a D-line and a nine-on-seven, on, nine on seven, one of the defensive linemen, I couldn't tell who it was from where my angle was, jumped, uh, jumped early. Nick Gates, the center, picked up the ball and threw it at him, and Eric Bienney was having none of it. And he yelled to him, get the bleep out. We don't do that shit. That's what he said. And so then you have a, I think it was Tyler. I think it was Tyler Larson who went in after him. Gates, of course, went back in later, but the enemy was not happy. Anyway, now we talked, I'm going to get to it more because there was another thing later, but afterwards, Ron Rivera said he wasn't surprised that it was like this because of the fact that what I just said, third day in pads, they are being more physical this camp. Than they have been in recent years, as much as physical as they can be under the current collective bargaining agreement. And it was a, a second practice this week where they went two and a half hours. That too is new. So later in practice, there was one point where uh, Fedarian Mathis kind of got knocked down by Sam Cosme gets up, I guess apparently got mad. Well, Cosme body slammed him to the ground. Players get in there, and he got pulled pulled away. Okay. Later in the practice, there was a pass from Sam Howell to tight end Cole Turner, and Benjamin St. Juice came up and, and basically knocked him down. Now, someone else said that Turner kind of raised his hands up to get have him have his teammate pull him up, and St. Juice didn't. What what I know, and I don't I didn't see that. That's what someone had said, that there was maybe a couple other things going on. What I do know is that receiver Terry McLaurin was pissed. You don't hear, hear Terry getting pissed, but I think some of it is, <clears throat> listen, Terry McLaurin is a, I wouldn't say a quiet guy, because I don't think he's quiet, but I think he's he's not a big vocal guy during practice like a Chase Young, like Montez Sweat, or even like J.D. McKissick was la the last couple of years. 
McLaurin is really, he's a strong competitor, but man, is he a competitor. And so when you have the defense going, 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 I'll be honest, man, that offense is quiet. They don't have a lot of vocal guys. Last year, the last two years, they had J.D. McKissick. He was a very vocal guy. He would go and go back and forth with defense, liven up. Right now, it's the enemy. Now, the offense is playing with some intensity. It's not that. It's just that the quarterbacks are not our reserve. You know, Sam Howell, Jacoby Brissett, and Jake Fromm's not going to say anything. Well, when Kirk Cousins was here, he was he was be vocal. He would celebrate after plays. He would get intense with it too. So you had other guys that would be like that. Line is a lot of reserve guys. The receivers mostly reserve guys. But you have McCorn, who is a highly competitive guy. So he was getting pissed and he was saying some stuff to the defense. But what it really got him is, and he, what he was yelling at, what he was mad about is that you don't do that to a teammate. And you, they, one thing that Rivera wants them to remember is that while you're out there competing, this is still your teammate. And that's something that McLaurin got upset about. Now, the enemy got mad because he's like, he was yelling out, hey, just basically shut the bleep up and, you know, quit doing that dumb shit, right? But McLaurin yelled to him, you don't do that to a teammate. So kudos to McLaurin for taking a bigger picture. I will say, like, afterwards, we asked um, St. Juiced about it. He's like, yeah, he respects Terry. There was no, I mean, he was kind of nonplussed by it. And St. Juice is a pretty good guy. So it wasn't like there was like some anger there. And, you know, there was no personality conflicts. It was a play in practice, but you had two sides, kind of one's very mouthy. The other's getting frustrated. And that stuff usually leads to some sort of clashing. But, um, and it's funny because Rivera said that Chase Young told him later, man, when McLaurin gets upset, you really have to take notice. And that's very true. So, but I think that, from Rivera's standpoint, I don't think he minded all the extracurricular stuff, but I think he liked the way McLaurin handled it because, again, he's looking big picture that, you know, you are out here together as teammates and ultimately, you you know, St. Juice needs Cole Turner to help them win. And that's a message that Rivera had been preaching for a couple of years. Anyway, with, with Sam Howell, let's spend a couple minutes on him. And again, I'm going to get to Bram in about two or three minutes. So, you know, one thing I, I would say through the first couple of weeks, he is, you know, it's funny. I was talking to Sam Fortier from the Washington Post about this. He's kind of who we thought he would be right now. He's not a guy who they're going to say, oh, he's an instant star. You don't see that because it's not set up for him to be that way. He's he's inexperienced. It's not about where he was drafted. I don't care. I've seen guys come through here before who were fifth, sixth, seventh round quarterbacks who weren't very good. Well, you know, he's much better than them, right? He's just more physically gifted. And I think he's smart and he works hard. There are traits to build on with him. It just takes time and i think you're seeing that play out during camp i think you need to have that line get coalesce a, a more because that's going to hold the offense back it's going to hold the quarterback back so in, in addition to the fact like you're facing a defense that is that can be complex as rivera has said for example i'm watching one point it's full team stuff and i'm watching quan martin lining up in the slot looks like it's man coverage in the slot dude drops all the way to deep middle that's where jacoby Brissett was going to go but and he was rollout. And he's like, he has to keep the ball because they take it away based on the coverage that they rotated to late. So those are things that are good for the defense that makes it harder for the offense. Doesn't mean that it's going to be horrible. I don't know what is going to happen with the offense. I don't know how good a coordinator the enemy will be. And I don't know about with how I do think he has a chance to be good. I just think people need to be patient and keep and just really kind of have a reality check with him. Not that you can't think he can be good. I think he can be good. 
But when is the question? Like, is he going to come out against Arizona? Maybe, maybe. But I think the when he gets becomes consistent. So the things that they're looking for, again, I think I told you yesterday, where are they, where is he hitting the receiver? So today I'm paying attention a lot to his feet, his eyes. Where is he hitting the guys? There was one time he was behind McLaurin who managed to reach behind him, make a one-handed grab. Hey, McLaurin bails out his quarterback. A couple other times I saw him hitting the guy in stride. That's a good job. So, it, you know, it takes time. That's all. Just be patient with him and don't overreact to, oh, he's doing horrible. Oh, he's doing great. It's all. It's in the middle, folks. It's okay. This is where he's at. It's okay. There's room to grow here. I think the key is, is he growing? I think he's progressed. He's a hell of a lot better than he was a year ago. A hell of a lot better. I think he's better than he was at the end of the year. That's all. That's what we want to see. To just keep progressing. And then that way, because where he's at in September, he should be a different quarterback November and December. That's when you're going to really see that if he's really going to be good, I think you're going to see it then in particular. Anyway, let's get back to, um, you know, let's get back to some of the, the uh, and I, th- I talked about some of the defense be- being uh, loud and the offense being quiet, but one of the things, you know, I, I well, a couple more nuggets. Continue to like Brian Robinson at running back. I think he's doing a nice job. Like his feet through the hole. I think he's shown some good quick feet through some of the cuts. Some nice run holes that were out there today. That's one area I think the lower line can help them with early. And one of the things, too, is the communication. Rivera talked about this yesterday. Where do you see the maturity? It's the communication sometimes after play. So, for example, after an 11-on-11, you had Charles Leno was um, kind of we were talking to Chris Paul and really – I wouldn't say animated. It wasn't animated, but it was a um, wanted to know why he was doing something a certain way, but it led to a several minute discussion, which I think is good. That's how a young guy can help develop. Cause if you, if you say, Hey, you got to do it this way, you got to, you can't let this happen. That's how a guy grows. So then we'll, we'll wait and see how does Paul progress. Paul was back in there, by the way, because Sadiq Charles still out with minor calf strain. I like how Paul, 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 I like how Paul is progressing. I think he, I think, listen, I think he's one to watch to start at that left guard position. By the way, Logan Thomas did not practice minor calf strain. Abundance of caution, Rivera said. Uh, Curtis Hodges left with, um, geez, it was a tissue, soft tissue is, is situation. Uh, Emmanuel Forbes with a groin. He, he had his left thigh iced for a little bit during practice. He said it was nothing, but it's a, it's a tweaked his groin. So we'll see. And um, Cody Barton didn't practice either. Again, nothing serious. So we'll see where everybody's at on Sunday when they return. Also, one of the other things that the enemy was ticked about were the drops. Too many drops by the offense. Never a good sign, right? And then last thing is one of the things that's been kind of taking place with special teams is Cam Cheeseman snaps. A lot of low snaps. A number of low snaps where Trust Way's having to pick them off the ground. Way was asked about them, said that Cheeseman is working on a different, slightly different technique. This is the time of the year when you work on that stuff. And, he, and it's, the result is some low snaps. But Tressway is an outstanding holder, and I think that's kind of bailing out Cheeseman and allows him to then work on some stuff in practice, and they can still get some of the kicks off. They get, they're still getting the kicks off as well. Anyway, that's all I wanted to go through with. So let's get to my conversation with the voice of the commanders, Bram Weinstein. School is out and summer is here, so it's time to plan your next family adventure. With eight different levels, 16 courses, 250 climbing obstacles, and over 4,000 feet of zip lines, the Adventure Park at Sandy Spring, located in Montgomery County, Maryland, is the largest ropes course and zip line park in the country. Beat the heat and join us after dark for some night climbing, 
When the sun goes down, the park is lit up, allowing you to climb under the stars. Check out their glow-in-the-park events for extra glow lights and music throughout the forest. Want to keep your feet on the ground? Grab a bite to eat from the food truck and give axe throwing a try. Perfect for first-timers or experts, their projector systems allow you to throw at traditional targets, play tic-tac-toe, connect four, or even hunt zombies. Listeners of this show can get $5 off any ticket by entering the code KIME23DC at checkout. That's promo code KIME23DC, K-E-I-M-2-3-D-C. Now open seven days a week. This is the perfect time of year to get outside and join the adventure at theadventurepark.com. All right, Bram, getting through about two weeks of camp or the first two weeks of camp. And again, outside of your dream combo, the past combo of Jake Fromm to Alex Arma, what has stood out to you so far through Commander's training camp? Uh, I thought the, the most important, like on the field quote, outside of all the off the field stuff, which we talked about before. And I don't know if you really want to spend a lot of time about it because I nah. kind of don't anymore. Nah, football on the, field. on the field. Yeah. Um, I think the quote that he said that the offense is going through some things. I thought was like a really interesting way of saying the way I kind of feel about it. And it, not surprised by it. Um, young and experienced quarterback offensive line. That's going to have to, you know, figure it out. And we can talk about that. I think that might be the most interesting group and yeah. decisions that are coming at the end of the summer. Um, and I, you know, I think, I think he's trying to caution everybody and everyone's really excited about EB and he's really loud. And the fans are now like weighing in on every time they hear him yell and that's all really good and cool. And all the players seem to be behind the hard coaching and all the attention to detail. But, um, you know, if you just watch practice, they do look like they got a ways to go. Like yeah. when they do put on the pads and when they do go up against this defense, they do look like they've got a ways to go. And uh, it's early. And what I really want to ask Rivera is, are they at where you want them to be and I see know. what his answer is. And then secondarily, like, how, you know, what, what is progress to you? Like, what's it going to look like in practice? And then obviously like we need to see them play a preseason game. And I still feel like that Baltimore week yeah. is going to be huge with the practices with the Ravens um, where I think we'll get a better sense of where they are outside of that. Like the defense is so far exactly what I'd hoped it would be. But again, it's practice. You know, I'm, I'm very bullish about what I'm seeing, but until they play and get back out there and start doing whatever they're going to do, because I think they have a lot of flexibility with their personnel um, you know, I, I think they're going to be really good, but until they play, we don't know. So with the offense, how are you differentiating between concerns versus process, growth process, right? So, you know, I would look at offensive line as a remaining concern. I look at Howell as a growth in progress, right? So I'm curious how you, like, and how, when you look at, when you assess where the offense is at, how do you break it down? Uh, I mean, it's all really about how. I mean, it, it's very clear. I know Rivera said, um, you know, don't sleep on Jacoby. And I know, like, that's getting news again. But he's been saying this for months. He, oh, he's, that's a quote he used a few months ago. Yeah. And and uh, and I, I don't think the job is won yet. And I really don't think it should be. But it's so clear as day that the, the object is to get Sam Howell to be the starter. And the way I kind of see it materializing is the way that they've kind of talked about it and the way that it, it, I view it, which is, you know, if they get to the point where they think Hal isn't quite ready, it's decision-making and potential for turnovers and bad plays. Um, and with Brissett, you don't feel that way. 
But on the other side, I don't see Brissett making a lot of the deep pass plays that I think Hal is extremely capable of. So it's a risk reward with Hal. They like the opportunity to use the weapons that they have differently if he is the starter, but he's got to be ready for it. So, you know, I think it's going to take some time. Um, you know, the the loud practice with 10,000 people was the first one, you know, where they had everybody kind of out there and the offense had a really bad day and Hal particularly had a bad day. I think he's been up and down. Um, I do think that they've, you know, you guys have noticed this and asked him about this. And I thought it was like kind of a a astute viewpoint that um, they're running a lot of plays in practice. Mm -hmm. And I think there is, you know, I think a a mild concern, which is why I think they, they dialed it back a little bit, at least on Thursday was they don't want to fatigue everybody this early in the process because Hal's arm looked a little off, you know, by midweek. And then by Thursday, I felt like he looked like himself again. So I think they're trying to, you know, balance how much are we installing? How much uh, progress can we expect in a very short period of time? And at the same time, not burn everybody out before the real games begin. Yeah. And I talked about a little bit about this on the podcast Thursday about like the practice that the whole point of it was you went hard on Wednesday, two and a half hours, and then taper off, use Thursday to kind of almost like a walk. It was not a walkthrough, but it was a glorified it wasn't really a true, true practice. So you're kind of going over things that you maybe to correct some things, et cetera. I thought Howell responded well to Saturday. I thought he, you know, it wasn't like he came out Monday. It was just ripping on fire. I don't think you can do that against this defense right now, but I felt like he responded. Like I felt like he got better Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm still, you know, I'm optimistic about him. Yeah. I, I just think we don't know what we don't know. And I think we right. need to put him out in the games and find out what it's like. And, and that, so I'll be very, very, very interested right. in this Cleveland game because he's probably going to play a lot. I'm assuming he's going to play a lot unless I hear otherwise. And I'll be very interested to see how it goes for this first go. Well, I'll be curious to see. And we will obviously we'll get into that next week, how much he would play, because typically they're only going to play him a quarter in that for the starters. But do you handle this differently with that offense? Because you have so many new parts on that offensive line working together, and then you have a new a young quarterback. But that's where that Ravens practice comes into play. What is anything jumped out at you with Howell one way or another? And again, like uh, he's a growth, he's a work in progress. We don't know. You know, I'm I think he'll be good. I don't know when. And uh the good parts that stand out to me that I like. Um I, I really actually like the way he moves to his right and his left, actually. Uh, when they design stuff where he's moving to his left, he can kind of go very fluidly. It's a different thing. I've seen him do it a number of times. So that, to me, is a very good sign. Um, and then secondarily, like, I, you know, I, I do feel like the accuracy at times is really there, especially on the deep stuff, uh, more so than with Brissett. So the idea that they're going to have a, you know, relatively accurate quarterback on deep passes, they haven't had this in a long time. No. So I, I, I like that, you know, all of that stuff I like, you know, there is the other part of, and I think, and Rivera, I know covering for him isn't the way I would put it. He's just saying that throwing a lot at them, you know, there are some times where I, I like to see a little quicker decision-making within the pocket. So I'd like to see a little bit of that. Um, I don't think it's helped that the defensive line dominates the offensive line a lot. But again, they're not going full speed really very much at all. And that's why it's just so kind of hard to know where he is right now. Um, and so I just have to kind of lean on the coaches and just my own gut feeling about it. And I don't feel bad about it. I, I don't feel like 
he's not a bad player. Like, no. I'm not worried about that. Like, like this looks way, way, way different than last year when they were trying to sell us that what we were seeing in Wentz was not what we were seeing. That's not, you know, that's not the case here. Um, but he's inexperienced. And so until he plays, it's just hard to know. And there's just so much on him because I do really feel like this roster has so many pieces to be competitive to potentially a wild card playoff team. And, but it's going to come down to whether he can fill the position the way they need him to. And on the, and that offensive line. And yes, that, that's why like, that's going to be a big, big issue going forward. And you know, the funny thing is Bram, when I talk to some players or coaches and you ask them like, well, what stood out about Sam? And they look, they're going to look at things differently than we do. Right. And a lot of it is like, well, leadership command of the huddle and then progression on his reads and the process of what he's doing in practice versus the end result. And if there was an incomplete, well, why did you make this decision? And I think what they like is if they, if when he can answer those questions, when, and and usually does. Um, and there was one time in practice where he made a throw in a deep ball and he was asked, why did you throw that ball? Cause it wasn't the read. But his thing was because it's practice, he wanted to see if he could complete it. So those are yeah. things that are going on too that you don't always know. But you know, um, I think conversely, coming away from this walk with the offense, you know, you really, I really like this defense. But how good is it going to be? Because, and I think it could be really good. But then when you see an offense that's still trying to grow, you know. You know what I mean? How much of it is what like the defense is that good versus offense still trying to grow? Yeah, I, it, there's a there's a decent mix of that going on here. Um, the other thing I like is, and this shouldn't be a surprise considering who their interior offensive linemen were a year ago, but they're far more athletic at these positions yeah. right now. Yeah, I like, like Cosme at right guard. I feel pretty good about him. And I'm hoping, you know, that that like the timing of the screen game is going to be there. They have these weapons that can make plays with their legs. Um, and so I, I like I, I kind of like the direction that the offensive line is going, but I am concerned and I'm, I'm still sitting on the same place that I was in the spring, which is um, I, I don't know that it's going to be their strength. In fact, I don't think it's going to be their strength, but I don't think it's going to be the weakness that it was a year ago. But that's, again, to be determined. And, and it's we'll also to see. it also was a really bad weakness last year. So, yes. When you when we say that, it still doesn't mean it's going to be good, and we just don't know. Like the hard part is putting a group together. There's no, you know, I I like what I've seen from Cosme for the most part, and you know, I think Wiley's kind of been up and down and working against Montez Sweat. I think that's his style of pass rush seems to be harder for Wiley. So that's one thing, but you know, we'll see, and I, we'll see how the the run blocking seems to have been okay though. Yeah. When we watch it, that's one of the things that's been good. And, you know, the other thing they always point out, they're not game planning, et cetera. So we'll see, I think. But that that's where, again, you know, we keep talking about and the Browns game we'll see, too, because they have they have a couple of good players, obviously, on their front. But the Baltimore game, the scrimmage or the practice will be so, so telling. And it's funny because we're kind of building this up to be like almost like a playoff game, the importance of it. But I just think that. The hard part anymore, Bram, with the preseason is you. You, if you play one or two, one quarter, that could be two series, right? And in that series, like, yeah. are you getting? Are you working on everything you want to? Well, in the in the practices, 
you get those 10 play drives or series to work on. Okay, today you're going to work on the red zone. Now you're going to work on third downs. Now you're going to work on this. And you get all those opportunities in that practice. That's why it's so important. And you learn more, I think. Yeah, I, I just I felt this way from the get go that this Baltimore week is going to be the biggest part of the summer. And I think they're going to find out where they are. I mean, I, like it'll be on film. It'll have happened in practice. It'll be with very specific drills. And they're going to have opposite competition. This team has started slow all three years under Ron Rivera. They cannot afford to do that again. I think we all know that just perceptually, just in general. I think they just need to start quicker this year, whatever that means, whether it's, you know, two and two, something like they just have to start faster than they have. They cannot get themselves in the hole that they've been in. And I and I felt like for the last couple of years, the one thing that has been missing is competition in their camp by virtue of having a joint practice with yeah, somebody. I agree. And this to me is going to be extremely telling whether it goes well or it doesn't. Either way, I think it's going to tell the coaches exactly where they are. And hopefully that will allow them to use the last two preseason games to get to a better place to start the season. I, I think they learn more about various players because yeah. of that. So let me yeah. ask you this. Because of the, what you said, the slow starts, have you noticed any difference or what difference have you noticed in terms of urgency, intensity in practices? I mean, the enemy effect is just real. I mean, you can't avoid it. I mean, he, he's just he's so loud, demanding um, attention to detail. That's just so far different than what we've been accustomed to um, from the last few years. So that's there. You know, the reps are clearly up. The intensity was up. And, I, and I'll say this, too, like and I'm, I'm I didn't know how this this part would go because I wanted to see what would happen after the sale. But like, obviously, the fan base is reawakened. Everybody's reengaged. Like there's a lot of positive news going towards this team for the last few years. They've you know dealt with, for lack of a better term, all of the bad news off of the field or all the headlines or no matter what they did, it was clouded by whatever was being said about the organization. And, you know, that can be used as a. And I think Rivera's kind of, and I, I think accurately basically said, we've dealt with a lot here. You know, okay, this time around, everybody's slapping them on the back and wants to throw a parade and, you know, is in love with them all of a sudden again. How are they going to deal with that? And I'll tell you, like, my general reaction to the team is seeing them being far more businesslike just in general. Like, I I think they truly appreciate what's going on here. I can tell just by what they're saying and how they're acting and all of that stuff. But I didn't want them to get caught up in like the football part doesn't matter because everybody's happy that this change has happened. And I don't get that sense from them. And when I hear people like John Allen talk, I'm not surprised that he's, you know, emulating that and saying that there's been a professional demeanor that's there. A lot of them are repeating that they seem, you know, to understand that this team and its core is different. They're steeled. Um, Montez Sweat kind of talked that way, which was unusual. The Terry McLaurin interview, you know, I'm not surprised that this is the positions he took, but he didn't just say about himself and how he got there, but he said this team really has its head down and is not listening to the outside noise, even when it's really good. For the first time, it's really, really, really good and positive and all these great things and it's ascending. And now people all of a sudden are going, I like the vibes out of Washington. I don't get the sense that they're patting each other on the back. And I actually think that that's a very, very professional and mature for the you know for the words that I was, Rivera likes to use a mature viewpoint on this. They think they have the type of team that can compete and win a little bit more than they have, and if they do that, they will be a playoff team. So I like the demeanor about the whole thing, and I like the vibe outside of just the fact that it's nice to have the fans back and you know really, truly, and 
you know, all in on what's going on here as opposed to all the other stuff that they believe will ruin a season. Right. And, you know, it's funny because we're just out there on the sidelines watching this stuff. It's a lot more fun when there are a lot of fans out there. Yeah. Because it just, they just add energy. And plus like, you know, it adds excitement to the, to this team. And it's nice to see people falling back in love with the franchise or wanting to be that way. Now, Going back to that word maturity, because I wrote it down as you're talking, and you and I talked about this two years ago, and because Rivera brought it up a few times in training camp, feels like he feels like this team is more mature. Yeah. Do you see that? Yes, I do. I see it. That's why I'm seeing it, and that's what I like about this. Like, like McLaurin came back; he's bulked up actually. Like he he looks good. Like Chase Young came back in really really good shape. Um, Montez Sweat looks ready to go. Duran looks fast off of this contract. John Allen looks bigger. You know, like, is he going to have a better season than he had a year ago? If he does, he's best at his position. Like, I like what's happening here. I, I really do. I, I like I like their mentality. I like what they're saying. I like it feels like the head is down. They're not just taking in all of the good vibes that are going on. I think they feel like they have still have to prove something. And that's the vibe I'm getting from them. And that's that's good in a year with a lot of people with contracts coming up with job security. That's going to be questioned all this big, all these big decisions are going to have to happen. Um, you know, that could be a powder keg for everybody. And I don't sense here early. It feels like that they are a more, for lack of a better word, mature team. And, you know, I think that is a really extremely positive sign, at least here early. Again, they haven't lost yet. You know, they haven't played anybody yet. They haven't had a bad game yet. Uh, but I did, I was watching closely last week when it, it was a party and they weren't acting like it was a party. No. Like they were appreciative that, you know, that everybody was happy and that everybody was kind of back and giving positive vibes, but they weren't settling and the work's being put in. And it is clear that the practices are more intense than they've been in recent years. And I think it's a good sign. You know, it's funny because, and, not everybody's going to remember this one, but the first and when they charged for camp back in 2000, and it was the North Turner coming off the 10 and, 10 and 6 year, they add Dion, they add Bruce Smith, they have all this. And I remember just thinking, like, this is like camp love. Like, they just assumed they were going to be good and they worked that way and they did not have the kind of year. And so, like, just for some reason, when you talking about that, reminded me of that team in the opposite way. Where yeah. where they they seem to take some things for granted. Now this team cannot do that. They haven't been in that position. They're not coming off no. a ten win season. They haven't won in a long time. So you can't take that approach. But you can't fall prey to the hey you know everything's changed now and so we're just going to be good. You know you can't feel that way. And I don't think they have. Is there is there anything else on offense? Any what else is like either something you are very happy to be seeing or something you still need to see aside from quarterback offensive line? Um, I really, I'm very interested in the role of the running backs, how they fit. I think Brian Robinson, and Antonio Gibson are very good players. I want to see how they work within this scheme. And I want to see EB be flexible to use them at their best ability. There have been some moments in practice where they've run some of the RPO stuff where guys are running parallel to the line. And I'm like, I don't really know that Robinson or Gibson are particularly, uh, you know, astute at that. But when they run the power stuff with the quick cut up the middle, you see it with both Robinson and Gibson. So I think there's going to be, while they are installing all this, and it does feel like it's EB's way or the highway, 
Um, at some point, it does have to shift back to how do you utilize your players to the best of their abilities? And so I want to see how the running backs fit when the games start to matter and the plays start to matter. So that one's going to be interesting. And then the other the other one, actually, the, the other good one, this is always good when you have these conversations. Like we had a lot of, I know this is like, this is in the weed stuff, but like bottom of, of, a, of a position group, who's going to make the team, who isn't? You know, I think there was a little bit of concern about what the depth at receiver would look like outside of the top four. I'm now no longer concerned about that. I actually feel like that's an extremely competitive group and they're going to have to make some very tough decisions for whoever wide receiver six and seven is going to be. So that's going to, that's good. I always find that to be good. And the other position group. That you, when you say six and seven, that means six and seven, you mean, does that mean you have, who do you have as five right now? Pringle? Uh, well, I think five is whoever the returner is going to be, okay. right? And and I don't think that'll be Dax Milne, but then that's where we start getting into weird conversations right. about him because I think he's a very good route runner with very good hands, but I don't think anybody has an appetite to see him be the, the primary punt returner any longer. So, and they have options now with either Pringle or potentially Kaz or someone else who knows. So I think you start having these conversations about who's going to make it and there's going to be a good player that's going to get cut, maybe two. Um, and then the other one that I think is really interesting from a position group is the offensive line. Cause I'm trying to do the numbers here and figure out who's going to make the team. And they're going to have a hard decision about a fourth round draft pick. Like there's just absolutely no way around that as of right now, that the numbers make any sense where Braden Daniels clearly makes the team. Like, I think like this is a fourth round pick, man. Yeah. It's a fourth round pick. It's a fourth round pick who is not going to play, but he has to make the team because he's a fourth round pick. See, I I, I don't know. So I think like just doing the numbers on the offensive line leads you to believe that there are some real serious decisions that are going to have to be made in that position group. And I want to see how this materializes. They have two guys who were a third and fourth round pick, not slated to be starters and currently not even slated to be primary backups, but because they're a third and a fourth round pick, they're all in likelihood to make the team, which means this guy, Mason Brooks, who they really like, who's really kind of showed up in these individual drills and is kind of there and maybe might be a little more ready to be a primary backup. Can he make the team if these other guys make it? They have a glut at certain positions. They have to keep four tackles and they've got all these interior offensive linemen. And I don't know how that one's going to shake out. Right. And you know, it's funny because with Daniels, I mean, to be honest, if you're just going to go on performance, he's not going to be on there. However, he's a four, because I think other guys will show ahead of him, be more ready right now, but he's definitely a guy they drafted for the future. And, you know, he's a fourth round pick. So it's really hard to see how he doesn't make it, but that's where, you know, you're going to have Stromberg in experience. And I've talked about this in the before, but Stromberg in experience, um, Chris Paul, if, if he's a backup, inexperienced, and then Daniel's inexperienced. So then, then it's like Cornelius Lucas. So that's nine guys right there. Three that's of whom nine. are, yeah, three of whom are the backups right. are. Just, just do the numbers, and you'll you'll run into a yeah. logjam yeah. where a weird decision or two has to be made. Like, yeah. are yeah. you going to keep three centers? So like, that, well, Larson has to be able. Larson has to be able. Larson has to be able to play guard to me for him to make it because you cannot. For all this talk about position versatility, you can't just keep three guys who are going to be center. Because like when they when after they drafted Stromberg, I even asked Rivera, would is could Gates play guard? And he said no, that he's a center. So, you know, you can't it's hard to have that. So Larson has to play guard if he's going to make it to me. Because Stromberg isn't working. Yeah, I think so. So 
Yeah, I mean, the, the two people that I'm watching closely here are, are Charles and Larson, um, who are veteran players for them, aren't going to be starters unless there's injuries, you know, unless Charles wins the job. But as of right now, you know, because of a calf injury, again, he's kind of behind the eight ball again. And, you know, you've got these other guys that you may be inclined to keep who aren't really ready to play, which means do you, if Mason Brooks does the things in practice that he does in preseason games, do they start to get scared that if they cut him, they can't get him to the practice squad? You know, maybe, maybe not. In all likelihood, those fears are typically never realized. Like you probably could get him to the practice squad. But if he does a couple of these things that we're seeing in practice, well, now they got a weird decision to make because if they cut him, it is a risk. You know, it becomes a risk. And it would be in lieu of keeping somebody who isn't going to play or isn't slated to be a primary backup. So that's why I think that position group of all of them might have the surprise cut or two by the end of the month that I think people might turn a little bit, turn, turn a couple heads maybe. Well, yeah, we'll see. I think there's, I think there's going to be some interesting decisions there because of the mix of the backup group and the need you have to have a couple experienced guys behind those starters and three of them are going to be inexperienced. So unless again, Chris, unless Chris Paul ends up starting, then you have, you know, we'll see then Sadiq could be your backup and he's got some experience, but you know, we'll see. So what about defensively? What's, what has, we know they've looked pretty good, obviously, but what has jumped out to you in terms of that, why they're looking good? That goes without saying that that would be the case. Um, Emmanuel Forbes is picked up where he left off from the spring. It's not just that he's around the ball and and he just his adjustments on the fly are just kind of feel ahead of schedule to me. So I've loved everything I've seen there. Fuller and St. Juice have looked very good. I think the back end of the corners is going to be a very interesting conversation because Wild Goose is playing a lot on special teams. You still have Danny Johnson. So again, like there, there's going to be some choices on the back end of that. Um, and the safety pairing. Curl is making plays in practice that he didn't make as, you know, as uh, in the first few years of his career. And I mean, meaning like interceptions and plays on the ball. Curl has been, you know, maybe arguably their most important player on the defense. Defense has a hard time when he hasn't played. Um, So him being out there and being a prominent figure is not a surprise. But all of a sudden his hands are on the ball. He's flashing in front of receivers. Like that type of stuff to me shows a progression um, that is a touch surprising, a good touch surprising. And so that is a really, really, really good sign. And if that's what it's going to be with him now, where he's not just a really good player, but a playmaker, maybe potentially causing turnovers, which that that didn't really come his way. Him and Forrest like kind of line up to me as an incredible safety tandem. And then, you know, we are starting to see what I thought would materialize, which is Jack Del Rio's playing with a full deck. Like he's got a lot of speed on the back end. He has a lot of pieces he can move around. They put this Cinco package in and all of a sudden they got one linebacker, but then there's two safety slash corners that are almost lined up as linebackers. Like, I think that there's a lot here. You always say like the offense likes to hide what they're going to do until they get until the season. I think I would make the case that the defense needs to play in a way, on film, in preseason games, to not show what they're going to do because I think they have a lot of flexibility and a lot of different opportunity to utilize different personnel packages, and I'm very excited to see what they end up doing with it. Listen, they can go four defensive linemen, one linebacker, six DBs. They can go four and seven DBs because two of those DBs can play in the box, you know, Uh in that hybrid role. So – there's a they do have 
definite options. I think that's one of the strengths of this defense. Um, level of concern with Jamin Davis. Well, I mean, obviously the legal stuff is, you know, it's going to have to play itself out and and, and it's been extended again. August 31st so I, now, they'll see if they can work on, yeah, the on that. So, day. you know, we're not going to know until after the right. preseason's over, you know, what, what happens legally with him and whether he's available. You know, I'd like to think that, you know, something can be worked out that he's available to him, but I don't know, you know, like it. So th- there's a concern there for that. I mean, outside of that, um, I still think he plays a prominent role in this team, assuming he's available to them. I don't, I don't think he's not. Um, I see, I know that they really like what Khalid here and then into the spring. I see, I don't see him replacing Jamin Davis. I, I really, I don't see that. I, I could see more playing time for him right. um, in scenarios, but I don't, I don't see him replacing him. Right. And I think Cody Barton, um, I love his competitiveness and, you know, I, I think more and more and more like this is a, you know, depreciated position group, especially for this team because of the flexibility on the speed on the back end. And of course what their line is. So I don't, you know, the, the concern of they don't have this linebacker, they don't have that linebacker to me has been mitigated by the circumstances of everybody around them. And I think Barton so far to me is good enough. You know, the way I look, the way I see it, good enough. And maybe there's a higher end for him with more playing time. Who knows? Well, especially behind this front. And I mean, yes. my thing with Jamin, too, is as much on the field because he's been in and out. Now, I know he's working his way back in. He had the injury in the spring and it took him the, you know, wasn't able to do a whole lot for OTAs or mini camp. And then the, you know, they've been slowly working back in. But I also, you know, off the, off the field stuff aside, this to me has to be a year where he really has to ascend because he's got all this talent in the world. And he's playing behind one of the best, if not the best, defensive fronts in football. It's got to coalesce at some point, Bram. And this has to be a year. Yeah, I mean, I I think for him, this is a huge year. I mean, obviously, you know, assuming his availability, this is going to be a huge year for him. And um, hopefully he, you know, hopefully all the stuff that's going on, you know, doesn't, you know, cloud his play. Um, so we'll have to see, but I, I agree. And, you know, I'll stick to what I've said about him all along, like behind Chase Young, he might be the second best athlete on the defense. So I'd love to see it get unlocked and him to become more of a playmaker. And again, there's not a lot of excuse behind this line, especially now that they could put five defensive linemen up there. It should be an extraordinarily formidable formation when the opportunity strikes. This is where Jamin Davis needs to shine. Ball's going to have to get out fast. It's going to be very hard to run on them. Uh, This is where Jamin Davis needs to be the linebacker that they expected him to be. I also am curious to see how they use Fedarian Mathis and then Ridgeway in those five D-line fronts because they like to use that package. And you got a big fella in the middle with Fedarian. He's a tough dude to move. Not a lot of pass rush moves, Bram, but he's a tough dude to move. And I wonder how, like, that's another piece to that puzzle for what they want to use. Well, I mean, the the most accomplished current pass rusher on the team, and I hope it will be Chase Young, is Deron Payne. Now you place Fedarian Mathis next to him, and you better garner attention for him. Otherwise, he's going to blow your lineup. So this should potentially alleviate Payne to get one-on-one matchups on the interior of the line. And I like that. Um, Allen looks bigger, stronger, getting better. If the ceiling is going to continue to go up for him, um, the defensive line may finally, as a group, materialize into the one we thought they would be, which is 
beyond the strength, maybe best group in the NFL. And I don't want to put too much on them and they don't want to hear about the expectations, but the early returns, especially the way Chase and Sweat look here early and the way that they're talking about this season and knowing what's on the line for them. I think we may, it's set up for the year we've expected for four years with this group, add in someone like Mathis or Ridgeway that gives them this whole plugger in the middle that better garner attention and should give a matchup that's favorable to them to at least one of those two edges, if not Payne or Allen, and watch out. I mean, this should be unleashed into what we expected it to be. Yeah, and, you know, the the, the I agree. I mean, it could this could be a very good group. But the thing, the other thing I like, the little subtle thing is, again, I talked about this on the podcast yesterday, but communication, the secondary, and just how that could prevent big plays. And you saw that, Last year in the like last six, seven games or so compared to the first eight, nine, ten, they're one of the worst teams in the NFL in that in the first half at giving up really big plays and and middle of the pack in the second half. And I think I would expect that to get better. And I think that will help this group overall as well. And I think, you know, guys like Forbes will help in that area and Quan Martin, I think, can help. But there's I just like the versatility. What if you say, like, hey, if, what could go wrong with this deal? Like if it if X doesn't happen. What goes, what happens? I mean, injuries, obviously. I mean, injuries Aside outside that. of, outside of, outside of injuries. I mean, God, I hate they should be injuries. good. I, I really feel like the baseline here is they're good and they're potentially yeah. great. And I, 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 I know I shouldn't say that, but we well, just really, did. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about week four against the Eagles. Right. And they've got the best offensive line in football. Like, could we actually get them to be forced to keep people in to protect Jalen Hurts because they're concerned about the matchup that they have to face. Like well, now we're talking about a different thing. I mean, that's what I see. So outside of injuries, I mean, sure. Could they have a bad year? Yeah. They're not set up for it. No, they're they, not. They're just not. I mean, they're, they're, they're deep in the secondary in a way that they haven't been in a long time. They're fast on the back end in a way that I think is going to be very alarming to a lot of teams. And when people see it, they're going to, they're going to realize how fast that they are on the back end and add in a motivated and very good group up front. I just have a hard time seeing this not be a really good defense to potentially great one this year. Yeah. Two guys who got paid in the middle and two guys who want to get paid on the outside. And, yes. and, and that's, you know, it's when guys are playing for contracts like that, that always helps. So I'll be curious to see, you know, what, what happens there? Last thing, has it, has it been more physical in camp than you expected at times? I mean, no, it's like you can only do so much when you're not in pads, but those couple of days in pads, was it more physical than you had imagined, remembered in the last couple of years? No. Okay. No. Um, no. Some players I, mean, I think have felt like it was, but I don't know if that's like. Maybe that one day Wednesday, maybe yeah. Wednesday was, that was the closest thing we've had to what I felt like was like a real practice. You know, I'm I'm not a big fan of these CBA rules, I mean, but whatever they negotiated it where nobody's in pads for a right. week. Like it doesn't even feel like practice. All feels no. like walkthroughs. Um, I think I think the intensity is up. The amount of reps is up. The demand to like every play, I want the attention to detail. Like nothing's right. going by. That's very noticeable to me. Yeah, very. But, like the hitting between the two sides, I don't think we've really seen a lot of it yet. You know, they, they can correct me, but I I don't feel that way. Okay. Yeah. Some players have talked about that, but again, sometimes it's like, it just could be, you could feel the intensity is higher and, and that's leads to um, other things. So 
Bram, all right, we got another big week coming up at the end of the week, next week, first preseason game against the Browns, and then that all-important Ravens practice. So thanks for joining me, and we'll talk to you next time. All right, see you. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Bram for joining me, and thank you, as always, for tuning in. I'll be back on Sunday with another daily practice report. I'll talk to you next time.